0: chapter 1, verses 18 to chapter 3, verse 20. That's all about sin and death. And then in chapter three, twenty-one, all the way to chapter 5, 11, we get Paul kind of outlining, sketching this justification and life. And now in chapter 5, verse 12, he starts this sort of project that comes after all of that ground clearing, what we're going to see him do from now, 5, 12, all the way through 8, is to tell the story, to tell the story of God's people. But it's retold, it's rearranged, it's reorganized now around Jesus the Messiah, the Messiah that is Died and raised. That's what he's doing. And you're going to hear some interesting themes. I mean, all of Israel's history, we're going to see it unpacked, retold, organized around Jesus. And all of that starts here in chapter 5, verse 12. If you'll stand with me um, to read those verses, please. Chapter 5 verses 12 to 17, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given but sin is not counted where there is no law yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam who was a type of the one to come. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the man, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Father, we do pray that you would take these brief moments that we have. Would you remind us, Father, that this is a supernatural event? That is to say that you will work through your spirit to change us through this word. Father, would you please grant to all of us right now in this moment that you change us through this word and that that is the point. Impress that upon us. Father, we trust that you, by this word, you comfort us You convict us, or do you comfort us and reshape us? You transform us. We ask that you would kill us and you would raise raise us up by it. In Christ's name, amen. So home means a lot to you. I'm sure I don't have to convince you of that. Home probably means more than you realize. It's a place of comfort for many of you. It's a place of protection. Home is a place of predictability. Have you considered that? You probably have um, when when you're gone from home. In fact, you probably don't realize it until then. We go on a vacation or we travel, that can be nice and sometimes it's necessary but that could be nice to get away but many of you all know that there's a little bit of unrest that comes with that, a little bit of unrest because you're not home. You try to bring a little bit of home with you. I mean, this is really funny, the way that we'll do this. If we go somewhere and you stay in a hotel for any kind of extended period of time, eventually we start kind of constructing that environment in a way that it is like home, even though we know that it's not quite home. It helps, but it's not the same. We miss home. We miss it. You can imagine, or maybe... Some of you have actually experienced this, a loss of home. I was watching a video, you know, like YouTube, crazy things that happened. But they had one that was really significant. It was somebody that was in a tornado and they were videoing this thing the whole time. And it started, they were, you know, in the, out in the window and they had the, the, the phone and they're taping all of, taping, <laughs> recording all of this stuff. Where did that come from? (laughs) They're recording all of this stuff out of the window. You know, things are flying. And then it gets to this point where they're like, oh, we need to go. And they go into this room, and it's totally dark. And you hear, like, chaos outside. Uh, All you see is black. And they're screaming. And you know stuff is going on outside. And so eventually it, it, it calms down. And the guy that was recording on his phone, he walks out of that dark into their, or what was, their living room. It's destroyed. But he's walking through. I mean, he's still inside of his house. He's walking through and he goes out to his neighborhood. And it's gone. I mean, like, gone. Gone decimated. Some of you, you may know someone who's experienced that. You may have experienced that. All of those people, real people, displaced. And, we know that in near history this has happened. There are folks on a larger scale, they not only lose the four walls that are their home, but they lose their land, they lose their culture, they lose all of their connections because they're displaced either by some sort of um, uh, power that comes in from outside or some power that raises up from inside their country, but they have to leave everything. They leave all of those things. That country where they found meaning, that really defined who they were. And then there is death. That is the most literal and permanent expression of this separation from home. Those who are close to death are left trying to get their mind around losing here. It's not just them. I mean, there's no category for that. Those who lose someone to death, it's not the same for them either. Home for them is not really home anymore without the one that they lost. In all of those cases, we lose home. In the first, we miss home, but we get to return. In all of these others, particularly death, we lose home and there is no going back. There is a certain inevitability about all of this, all of this stuff that we just described, that I'm ex- our experience. Even as you sit here and hear those things, some familiar, some not, you all know that there is a certainty that it will be part of your experience. You live in a world, or you will live in a world, where you're surrounded by it. All of that loss. And for sure, the inevitability, death, we know that. There's no no way to outrun that and we try to deal with that in different ways you know I mean like now there is there's a serious effort to undo aging you have you you know this I mean there are there are some there are billionaires that are throwing lots of money at trying right effective altruism trying to undo Aging, to undo sickness, to undo death. And we understand why. Right? And some of us, maybe most of us, what we do is we try to put it out of our minds. Okay? I mean, I'm sure, though, that as, as, as effective as you might be at setting that aside, death if you sit still long enough, it's back there. Really? I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be morbid. Or maybe I do. If, if you sit still and you're quiet long enough, you can feel it back there. You know, it's coming. These realities, they affect all of us. They affect every one of you in this room. And they affect everybody outside of this room. This is our story. There is this odd, there's this odd, um, um, what's the word? Um, Solidarity that you and I have with everybody outside of this room in our suffering. It's an odd sort of solidarity. We live with it. And we can get good at living with it. So much so that we can forget that all of this, particularly death, is not the way that it's supposed to be. It's easy to forget that. That it isn't the way that it's supposed to be. How do we make sense of this? Well, we make sense of the way that it is and that it is not the way that it's supposed to be and that it will be another way. We make sense of all of that By organizing everything, like Paul does, around the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who has died and risen. We think through all of this as it relates to him. And I think what we'll see today is a starting point for doing that in the way that Paul does it. Now, to give us... Give us some, some background. I want us to think about this. We'll get to Romans five twelve in a second. But I want to give us some background. And that is where all of this stuff starts with Adam. I know we've done this, but we'll do it and we'll keep doing it. Because it's, it gives us this reminder of how this story goes. God gave Adam a command in the garden. Remember what the command was? Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This idea of wisdom. Don't reach for wisdom without me, Adam. Don't do it. And the command came with a threat. You will die. Easy enough. That command itself expressed the whole point of Adam's existence. It expresses the whole point of your existence God was saying to Adam look to me look to me for all that you need trust what I say I created you I made you I made you to live in relationship with me I made you to participate in the purpose that I have for all creation I made you to rule with me as my sons. I made you to worship me. I made you to cultivate a whole world that glorifies me. With me here, that is your meaning. That's who you are. Trust me to give you all that is good Believe that I'm a good father. Believe that I'll provide. Believe that I won't hold anything back. That is what that command that God gave to Adam expresses. This was home. Communion with God. But Adam and Eve did eat. We know that. You're not surprised. They ate. Adam transgressed. He violated the command, the prohibition that God gave and something horrible happened. Something horrific. They are driven out of this garden. This place of communion with God. This temple. Which means that They left home. Away from fellowship. Away from this relationship with God. They lost communion. And that loss of communion. Excuse me. And that loss of communion. That was death. I mean. Many times we'll say, okay, well, what it doesn't look like what God said happened would happen, that they would die. I mean, if we read on, you know that they do die, right? Physically die. They stop breathing. That seems to happen over and over again. But what we see here is something very important, and it's something that you don't want to miss here. Being pushed out of the garden out of this fellowship, out of this communion, you need to get that that, that is the immediate reality of death. In fact, what we might say is this, not to diminish the significance of death. But maybe we could say this, that physical death, really what that is, is this living, right? Like it, Figure this living illustration of the deeper reality that has taken place, this loss of communion. Physical death, as significant as it is, as fracturing as it is, probably because it's significant and fracturing, it represents, it points back to this deeper reality of greater significance. Death is alienation from God. That's it. That lays behind what Paul is going to say or begin to say in verse 12, particularly verses 12 to 14. Paul tells us, With all of this background, Paul tells us that it is through Adam. Now get this now. I just told you what happened to Adam. Paul says this, and this is kind of a nice nutshell. Through Adam, through one man, through one man, entered sin. Through one man entered sin, and then through sin, entered death. Sin and death. Sin and death. Adam single handedly opens the door to these two malevolent characters sin and death. They're like evil powers sin and death. And their influence is total. That's what Paul says it's total. It's not just confined to Adam and Eve. Death, Paul says, spreads out. It's like this seeping. That just moves out and infects and invades everything. You. And death spread... It spreads out to all, Paul says, because all sin. And there are a couple of ways to understand that idea that Paul gives here. I mean, he is blowing through this, almost feverishly writing. But this is an important phrase, this death spread to all because all sinned. It either means that... Because death spread to all. That is, Adam transgressed, sin enters, then death enters, death spreads. And because death spreads to all of us, we're all alienated from God. We are all dead. We all sin. That could mean that. And that would be theologically right. That Paul says this in kind of Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. This is the idea. It could also mean this, that we're included in Adam's sin. That's that important all sin. It seems like it's this, just this sort of moment that all sin. Back there in Adam. That's the idea, in either case, in either case, you will protest. <laughs> in either of those cases, you will say, like your children, that's not fair. That's not fair. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So Why do, why do I get all the inky black stuff on me? Well, it does apply to everyone. This is the thing, right? Scripture does not paint a picture of a great do-over for every new human being that enters this story. It's not like that. It's not. And you know, Paul just blows by that. This is what you have to wrestle with, you. You have to wrestle with that reality that Paul has just said something, that says something about you, what Adam's Adam's act means for you. That's what he's doing here. Adam is our representative. He is the head, we're the body. Pay attention to that. He's the head, we're the body. What does this mean? And I'll say it this way. Because this is something alright, like this is something, what we're going to say here, really sets us up for chapter 6. Right? Really, what we say right here sets you up for understanding what Paul says in chapter 6, 7, and 8. What this means, he's the head, we're the body. Here's what it means. It means in that singular event, Adam's Trespassing, that Adam got this law from God and then he broke it. In that singular event, in that singular event, the world was thrown into chaos. In that singular event, here it is, you got what Adam got. All of it. All died, all alienated all sinned. This is a corporate and total reality. You know what that means? It's a corporate and total. It means this. It means this. Humanity, of which you're included, right, is a united whole. No one is left out. All humanity is in Adam. One man. One man. That's Paul's language. It's going to be important. And that means a devastating problem for humanity. In Adam, all are locked up in a kingdom of darkness. In Adam, all humanity is locked up in a kingdom where death and sin reign, rule, And this means that sin was already sin before the Mosaic law showed up to give commands and prohibi- prohibitions. Paul, he needs to make that point. You'll see a little bit later on why that's so important. But he has to, pre- he has to demonstrate that right now. Between the dir- direct command to Adam and those direct commands to Moses in that, in that in-between time, you notice you didn't have... God giving a law, just Adam and Israel, Adam and um, God's people under Moses. But we know sin, that character, was present because death reigned through it all. Death reigned. So here's the punchline. There is no way for man to get out. Get that? If we are all lumped together, locked up in the kingdom of darkness, under the reign of death and sin, then there is no way to get out of it. It is like being underwater, trying to get out of the water by climbing up a ladder that is made of water. It's not going to happen. We're not just at zero. In this one man, all are stuck. In this one man, all are imprisoned. In this one man, all are enslaved. That's the story that Paul is telling in verses 12 through 14 as he reflects back on what happened in Genesis 3. Adam is our representative, and in that singular event, Adam's trespass it marked the entry of all humanity into sin and death. And then you have this little phrase that is the good news. And it's like a throwaway line. And by the way, if you have difficulty with uh, chapter 5, verse 12, if it's like you go like, I don't know how this stuff fits together. That's why I'm talking about it like this. Because in verse 12, Paul just stops and he starts explaining stuff and he didn't come back to it again until verse 18. But he has this little throwaway line at the end of verse 14, saying all these things about Adam. He says, the one man, Adam, and the impact that the one man had on all humanity, guess what? He prefigured. He points ahead to another. He points ahead to someone greater. He points ahead to one man who will also impact humanity. Adam and Christ. That's what Paul starts telling now. The story of Adam and Christ. Paul is now reading the story of Adam through the lens of Jesus. He already did that with Abraham. He's doing it now with Jesus. He brings these two together. One man, Adam, and the one man, Christ. And they're not equal opposites. I want you to notice that. They're not equal opposites. It's not merely that You have Adam, and then Jesus sort of brings our account to zero. That's not really what Paul is after. He holds them up side by side to show us. There is a similarity, but there is a huge contrast between Adam and Christ. Between the trespass and the gift. That's what he has to say. In Adam's trespass, Paul says, many die. In Adam's trespass, many die. But that's met with more, something greater. And what it's met with, and this is the way that you could say it, what Adam's trespass, through which many die, it's met with this gracious gift Of God. Gracious gift of the Father. In the gracious act. Of Jesus Christ. And you know what happens? You know what comes through that one man, Jesus Christ, his gracious act? What comes through is this overflowing, overabundance of grace. what flows through that through the one man's trespass many die through the one man's gracious act grace tons and tons infinite grace and it overflows to many and Paul adds to this in the one man what came from his sin his trespass what followed on the heels of the one trespass well it's simple what follows is judgment and then what's the judgment condemnation well what's condemnation two guesses death that is the condemnation judgment follows the one trespass And brings condemnation, which is death. And that's just, that's followed by just one trespass. But then after that one trespass, we've got sinning. We know sinning went on after Adam because he just said that. Even though they didn't sin like Adam, who had a direct command, they didn't do it, but they were still sinning. So you have that, but then you have God giving a law. Through Moses to the people of Israel, and you know what they did? They trespassed like Adam. Many trespasses. So, what's gonna happen after those many trespasses? Through one trespass, we get judgment, condemnation, which is death. Well, what's gonna happen when we got many trespasses? Well, Paul says, well, Check it out. This is what comes through Christ. Gift. What follows many trespasses. Fascinating. Is not more death. That's done. What follows many trespasses is grace. Grace. We already heard this, the gracious gift of God and the gracious act of God. And what did that do? What did that do? In that singular act was brought righteousness or justification. That singular act produced something. That singular act. That one singular past tense act did something. It produced a new people, a unified whole. You might say one new man. It produced a people delivered. It produced a people forgiven. It produced a people right with God. It produced a people dwelling with God. These are not equal opposites. Through the one man you have death coming to many. You have judgment. You have condemnation. You have death. And through this one man, Jesus Christ, you have grace. And you have justification. And then, Paul makes one more comparison. He says, through the one man, Adam, death reigned. Death reigned. And then he He does this move that you might not be expecting. Through the one man, Adam, death reign. Through the one man, Jesus, what reigns? What? What fill in the blank? What? What? What fills in that blank? What reigns now through Jesus? It might surprise you. If the outcome through the one man, Adam, was certain, and it was certain death, you know what is certain to come through the one man, Christ? It's this. That those who receive, those who receive this overflowing abundance of grace to those who receive that, and that singular act of Christ, or that which flows from that singular act of Christ. For those who receive that, here is what is certain. And we'll do it this way. For those who receive that, those and just those who are receiving it, remember, are still over here in Adam. In the kingdom of darkness, locked up under the reign of sin and death. But that reality, that singular act of Christ breaks into here. And for those who receive that grace, you know what happens? They step Oh, oh dear. They step over here. They step into something new they step into life they step out of the kingdom of darkness over here where sin and death reign and they step into this kingdom over here where sin and death have no hold any longer don't rule The rule is ended. They step out of this kingdom of enslavement. They step out of this, out of that captivity, into this kingdom of freedom. In Christ, those who receive this abundance of grace step out of death and into life. They step into a unified whole. One new man, Christ. They step into a people delivered. They step into a people forgiven. They step into a people right with God. They step into a people dwelling with God. And, and here's, here's, here's the, sort of the, the, the punchline. They step into a people that reign. Death no longer reigns. It is those people who have received this abundance of grace through that singular, gracious act of Jesus Christ. They reign. Restored. Transformed. We'll see this. That what is true then, way out there, when Christ consummates all of this in resurrection of everyone, what's true then has already broken in here now. If, if you're in this kingdom over here, you know what that means? That means that already this responsibility to rule already has started. What's going to be true in in total then has already broken in now. And what you and I do as... This new body, this people in Christ, what we do now is we start to live in this world now like we will then. We live in this world now in a way that shows what Christ put on display. What what is demonstrated by the resurrection of Christ. What we put on display now, here, that will be true and total then, but we start to do it now, is we put on display that Christ, Jesus, is king. Now. Overall, now. He is king. We're just the messengers. We do what we do here in this world right now even though it's not then what we do here is we live like we're in this kingdom. It's important that you get that what has happened for you for, for me, those who have received this grace in this singular act, event of Christ, is right now in a world where we see that it is not the way that it is supposed to be. We have stepped into, though we can't see it fully yet, we have stepped into the way that it is supposed to be. Already now, in Christ, you and I are home. Let's pray together.